0: What is up everyone and welcome to a very special episode of subjectively speaking my name is jeremy paul
1: and i'm laura norman and we have a very special guest joining us today um we are huge fans of his on twitter and all of the reporting that he does uh, for our beloved columbus blue jackets uh we are very happy to welcome mark shag to the podcast
2: Hello, Laura and Jeremy. Really appreciate the time to jump on and talk Columbus Blue Jackets. Too bad we don't have a lot to talk about with this team, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, nothing at all. There's been no, (laughs) nothing happening with the Blue Jackets.
2: It's going to be a boring one tonight. It's going to be completely boring, fans, so I'm sorry sorry in advance if if it doesn't meet your expectations.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. We're going to have a good time. I hope y'all yeah. are in for a wild ride because boy, do we actually have a ton to talk about. <laughs> so where do we start? <laughs> right. No doubt. Like, well, when we, when we reached out to you, right. A, a few mm-hmm. days ago, you know, the jackets hadn't yet played in Florida, things were still a little bit up in the air. There is a subtle amount of optimism in the fan base mm-hmm. about like, what, what could be coming our way? Yep. Like when we're talking about the trade deadline, what was that going to look like? I mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't know buyers, sellers, conservative. I think they they've kind of let us know a little bit about like the direction that they're going in. Would you agree? Disagree? Is there still room for that optimism?
2: Well, there is still room for optimism, Jeremy. But I hundred percent agree with you. Um, they should sell. I mean, because you have to ultimately answer the question: Are they a Stanley Cup contender this year? And if anybody says yes, I mean, you ask a lot of questions. And I think if you look back at the Detroit series just the shellacking that they took there against a team that they should be like, it's like, they didn't even show up. It's like, they didn't even compete when essentially their life was on the line. Their playoff life was on the line. that pretty much said that they're lacking in so many areas that hopefully management realizes that uh, it just doesn't appear to be the year now t- in talking to Yarmulkeke Lion last week, um, he said an interesting quote about if there's a chance for the playoffs, you don't ever want to give up for that. So it's not impossible. There's they're only five points down now I, in saying that there is less than a 3% chance to make the playoffs because you've got to jump so many different teams. They haven't been playing well at all. And I think I tweeted this the other day, they have to go something like 11, four and one in their last 16, just to even have a shot at it. And they just got off of a one in five road trip where you have the one win in Tampa Bay, and that is it, guys. I just have not seen anything substantial to indicate that they're going to do anything. I mean, can they turn it around on a whim? Maybe they get something. Well, sure, I guess anything's possible, but in the long grand scheme of things, here they've screamed loud and clear that I don't think they have it this year, and you know, they, they should do stuff to prepare for the future. Yarmulke Lion always says always look at now always look at the future well we're going to see how they handle this deadline
1: yeah i think uh jeremy can attest to this out of the two of us i'm typically the one that's like the eternal optimistic person Mm -hmm. they're going it'll be fine they'll turn it around it'll be great (laughs) and even i'm on the train of like let's just figure out how we can fix everything Mm. Uh, because it's just they have not played well and Jeremy and I talk a lot about even if they did pull it together,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. do they really deserve that spot in the playoffs? And would it just be to go and get basically annihilated by another team?
2: I will say this, Laura, about that. A couple considerations about making the playoffs. It's good for the team. This year, it might not be good for the bottom line because of the pandemic, but you want to see teams constantly make the playoffs. If there's one thing that's going to ultimately turn the Columbus Blue Jackets around, it's winning. Winning solves everything. So if there's a chance, I think they're going to lean toward trying to make the playoffs. You know, Ultimately, their goal is to win the cup, but then Again, they, they have to weigh everything to see, you know, it can, can they even make a trade? I mean, it's pretty obvious what the needs of the team are right now. And it's right down the middle of the ice. They're lacking center depth, like something crazy. Like, And even looking around the league, I can't even think of a situation that's worse than where the Columbus Blue Jackets are right now at center ice. And that should say everything, you know, because let's, let's be real for a second. They're, this team has talent in places. Patrick Liney has one of the best shots in the world. When he's playing engaged and doing the right thing, Max Domi can be a really good player. He's proven it in the past. Seth Jones is still back there. He can dominate a game when he wants to turn him on. Zach Wierenski is a very good player. The goaltenders have proven to be, you know, not, not their greatest year this year, but it's certainly not their fault, the, the position that they're in right now. There's pieces to build around, but the ultimate question is, how can you bring a center in and is there even one that's available that they would be able to bring in to try to turn this thing around i'm just not sure that there is because teams just don't give them away for nothing you know so i can't wait to see how this is all going to play out and i know you mentioned that you're the eternal optimist i try to be the eternal optimist here as well trying to look for paths but it would literally take a gargantuan turnaround and have to start tomorrow uh, against tampa coming up on tuesday night they have to come out they have to start winning 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 if they want to do anything this year just with so many different things going on you know from the head coach down to some of the lineup decisions i mean scratching Stenlin and Roslovic for a seventh defenseman is very questionable at best um Yes, no Jeremy's
1: very passionate about that decision. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I had
2: um, some I had some feelings. <laughs> you and thousands of other Blue Jacket fans and you know and that kind of begs the question, are are we literally seeing the last of John Tortorell with the Columbus Blue Jackets? It's there's a pretty good chance that we are. It's, you know, he's coming the last part of his contract he might not get a new contract after this season. There's a lot of questions up in the air and especially if this is his last hurrah man, what what a way to go out. All the things he's done for this franchise and then to have it end like this would be quite something.
0: Well, and to your point there about like scratching, you know, Stenson's scratching Roslevic, Mm -hmm. just today the team, we're recording this episode on Monday night and just today the team announces that they sent Liam Foodie back down uh, to the taxi squad. And to me, like both of the scratches that you referenced, that move as well, I think there's a real, real damage being done to a lot of the younger guys in terms Mm -hmm. of not letting them see the ice, whether that's here or whether that's in AHL Cleveland. And so for these younger guys, like, do you see that that's going to end up eventually taking a toll, like not being on the ice, not playing through to develop in some way, shape or form. Uh, I know some other folks have talked about the way that this year is going to impact a lot of the folks who are being like drafted and things like that in their development. But like, how is it affecting the guys who are already here?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Jeremy. And I do think that there's a fine line between trying to make the playoffs, which is what you know they're saying that they're trying to do, and developing those younger players. And kind of it is what it is right now. Um, let's be fair to Torts for a second. You look at the roster right now, he honestly doesn't have a lot to work with, especially when we, we reference center ice. So he has to try to make decisions as best he can based on the hand he's dealt. So it's kind of like think of being in a poker game, right? And you get he gets dealt a hand. He's got a pair of twos. He's trying to go um, against somebody that's sitting on a full house. It's very hard to overcome, and it's just I'm just not sure what more he can try to do um, to try to fix things. But going back to your point about you know like Liam Foodie going back to the taxi squad, there's an there's an established standard he has, you know. Whether you like John Tortorello's approach, whether you don't like John Tortorello's approach, the so one thing that we can all agree upon: he's consistent in his approach. He he values effort. He values playing your tail off, and if you're not meeting that standard, if you don't have enough trust with him, you're going to find yourself stapled on the bench, or you're going to be sent back to the taxi squad, or, you know, what as to why Foodie ends up on the taxi squad now. He didn't. He didn't play very many minutes. I think he had 11 minutes in the game Sunday against Florida. Is one of the lowest on the team outside of Nash, who's injured. But I think that there's a couple things that could be happening here. One, Gus Nyquist watch. He could be back soon. I know Kekalinen mentioned last week around two weeks away. Do they maybe is he ready to try to go with with a kind of a last ditch effort at the playoffs? Not sure. Emil Bemstrom's been injured. Um, that's another one. So there's an open roster spot for somebody. I think maybe tomorrow, and Tortorella is going to speak in the morning prior to the game against Tampa, we might find out a little bit more, but that is curious that he didn't go all the way back to Cleveland. He went back just to the taxi squad. So maybe he'll be back. Maybe it was just a paper move to save captives. We really don't know until someone that comes out and clarifies what you know what's going on here. All we know is there's a roster spot and someone might take it, and it could be Nyquist, could be Bemstrom, could be somebody else who knows. But the development thing is a is a very big deal. Emil Bemstrom comes to mind, Foodie comes to mind. I know Andrew Peaks in Cleveland right now, and I I was actually in Cleveland on Saturday, so I got to watch like the Cole Sherwoods of the world. I got to watch Peak a lot, got to see Tarasov's debut these young players especially given what's going on in columbus right now they need to be playing games they need to be developing themselves so i think peak being there right now is a very good thing he's getting top penalty kill minutes he's getting top power play time and he's playing in the top four there and he's doing very well for himself not sure if many columbus fans know this but the monsters are in second place in their division right now and are playing very well so there's some really good things going on kind of outside of the disaster that's going on in Columbus. And it goes to your point that, given where things are, stand right now, they have to value development um, because of the challenges that they have. These other teams have top end skill players and different things like that. What, the Blue Jackets have thrived on drafting and developing. Like look at Oliver Bjorkstrand. Um, a later draft pick. Corpus Allo, a later draft pick. Merzlikens, a later draft pick. I think I was just writing this down. Think about this. We're going to go back to 2013 for a minute. Think of all the first round picks that the Columbus Blue Jackets have had since the, the Wenberg draft. How many of them are making what we would call a significant contribution to the Blue Jackets now on an everyday basis? One. Zach Wierenski. Now, granted, Carlson's in and out of the lineup. Liam Foody, in and out of the lineup. Chinnikoff is probably a few years away and just drafted, so we don't know where, where that's going to go. But Wenberg, bought out. Kirby Reichel, gone. Marco Dano, gone. Sonny Milano, gone. Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted out. And then 17 and 19, they didn't even have a first-round pick. So they've got challenges. They have to develop. And Portarella has the fine line between trying to make the playoffs and trying to develop. And it's not working out so well for them.
0: No, I mean, and to your point about like the monsters playing well, like that does kind of remind me of back when the jackets were flailing and you had the monsters winning the Calder cup, like, yeah. and, and with the players that you mentioned, right. With the Worenskis of the world, the Bjork strands. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what we're seeing. And that's, that's me channeling my internal optimist. <laughs> From Laura, it's like maybe here in a couple of years we'll be you know we'll see the fruits of that labor.
2: Jeremy, let me tell you something. Danil Tarasov is the real deal. Now I don't like to jump to conclusions after one game. That's fool's gold. But if he, if he plays, think about this. He, this is the first time he's been to North America. Just now he made his AHL debut, coming from the KHL. Had two very unlucky goals in the first period. Where one was just in the slot, he had no chance on, the other one went off the defenseman skating in. And then he pitched a shot out the rest of the day. Coming from Russia, knows very little English. He had to have a translator after the game. He's six foot five. He's a giant in the net. Opponents are just throwing the puck and it's just hitting him. But on top of that, he's very athletic. And I think a lot of people saw the highlight save where he reached the glove back, caught the puck, and then kept it out. But then he had some chances to stack the pads, and he did. This guy's the future in Columbus. I know Corpus and Merzlikens both deserve a lot of credit for what they've done in such a short period of time. But give it just a couple of years. If he continues the way he's going, Daniil Tarasov is not only going to be the Blue Jackets goalie of the future, he's got some Vesna in him. And I can see why the hype is there. There's a lot to love about him. I
0: love that. I love it. Like, and that, I mean, like, and then you have like capital in Corposalo and Merzlikens, which, yep. you know, obviously comes to, comes to fruition here. And we have these conversations about the trade deadline and, and trades and just what can you recuperate for these assets? And it's all about asset
2: management at this point. Yes. They have to, he has, and has to make good decisions, especially in a market like Columbus hate to say this, you know, the the year that they beat Tampa historically in the playoffs was the year they went all in, was the year they didn't get anything for Bobrovsky and Panarin, and they could have gotten a King's ransom back, but they chose to go all in, made it to the second round, gave Boston a heck of a time, but now they're paying for it. This is the time where they've got to get draft picks. They've got to hit on their draft picks. Because, you know, compared to a lot of teams, the cupboards are quite bare. And, you know, I don't know what you guys think about this, but it just seems like that this season in Columbus just hasn't been fun for anybody involved, whether it be a coach, whether it be management, whether it be fans, whether it be a player. It just where's the fun been at in all of this? It just seems like that's been one thing after another, after another the way the season started with the whole DuBois situation and now all this losing, it's just, there's frustration everywhere. And I feel like that everybody could just use a reset button.
1: Yeah. I think we are absolutely on the the same page with that. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, me being the eternal optimist and the shorter term fan, uh, I've only been a follower of the blue jackets for like three and a half years, Mm -hmm and Jeremy's taught me basic Jeremy and esteemed journalists like you have taught me everything that I know um, about hockey and yeah it's been it's been a bummer to the point that Jeremy likes to refer to them as like my feelings when we record podcasts because I'll go on (laughs) at least a four-minute rant about how I'm frustrated about something Um, he actually made me apologize to the whole of Finland um, a couple of weeks ago because I was very frustrated with Patrick
2: Laine. Oh. Who hasn't <laughs> been though, right? I mean,
1: right? See, Jeremy, there are other people that are frustrated with Patrick Line.
2: I mean, he's got one goal in his last 19 games. He's never been in a streak like this before. And a lot of people are asking, is it John Tortorella? Is it the system he's playing in? And don't know the answer to that, but it's a legitimate question to figure out. And here's the thing that I will say about Line for now that seems reasonable to conclude. When he was on Winnipeg. Look at the talent that was on the Jets: Shifley, Wheeler, Connor, eelers They have a legitimate top six, they're one of the best top sixes now, especially with Dubois on their team in the entire National Hockey League. So, teams had to account for other players other than Patrick Liney, and he's had an incredible goal, um, streak going for them. Comes to Columbus. Everybody can game plan for him. When teams game plan against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are you going to shut down? Who are you going to cover? Patrick Laine. Because the rest of the team, bless them. They, they're, they you know, the Nick Felinos, the Boone Jenners of the world, and some of the other players, I think they do a good job in certain aspects of the game. But offensively speaking, there's some challenges there. You take away Laine, you take away Bjorkstrand, you take away Atkinson you take away a lot of the goal scoring opportunities for this team, which means they have to play a perfect game and they have to have other people contribute. I mean, you look at the, you know, the few power plays that the blue jackets get line A is sitting over there in that circle, waiting to get a shot off, except there's two defenders already leaning toward him because they're not even worried about everybody else. That says everything you need to know about what teams think on how to Stop the Blue Jackets. Cover line A, you do. You got a good chance to win. And one and five in their last six games. You take a look at the tape. He's being covered. Like sometimes he'll go in, there's four defenders around him. Or when the puck goes to him, there's already two defenders in his face, so he can't shoot his one timer. They know how to game plan. And, you know, that's one of Keckelainen's priorities in the offseason is to not only find a center for him, but to be able to find different pieces so that teams can try to they have to account for others other than him because he's best in open space and they'd be able to get that shot off and right now he just he doesn't have the time because teams know he's the one to stop
1: oh you're gonna go Jeremy (laughs) well speaking of that and moving pieces around and trying to find Mm -hmm. um, different things to work for us and giving some of our players opportunities on, on other teams. There's been a lot of names that have been thrown out um, mm-hmm. for the course of this season for potential trade options. Um, you know, David Savard, Nick Felino, Mike, uh, Mike Delzato, Riley Nash, uh, Corby, and Elvis. Um, are there any players that are not on that list that you could see potentially leaving over the course of the next uh, few days and at the deadline?
2: You did say Riley Nash, right? I did, yes. Okay, okay. He's in. He got injured Sunday, so that's kind of now up in the air, depending on the severity of that one. But I think you pretty much got, nailed the big ones. I think the two biggest ones are Savard and Foligno. Um, God, I hate to say it, but I do think David <laughs> Savard's gone, um, and that's a think about. He's one of the, he's the I, I have to think he's the longest consecutive running Blue Jacket maybe Atkinson up, is up in that category too but I mean consider from where he got drafted until now he's known nothing but the Columbus Blue Jackets organization and that's that's going to be a hard pill for a lot of fans to swallow there's a lot of people that have followed his entire career They he, he's embodied the franchise he's embraced this city he's this he does everything so well to represent Columbus and to have it come down like this. Um, you know, it's, it's reality and you know, he's a pending UFA and he's probably not going to resign next year. You you know, think Andrew Peake will probably step up in that role as a right shot defenseman moving forward. Um, Miko Lettinen, I think part of the reason they made that trade was because they're working on trying to find David Savard at home. Um, but it seems to me that he's the most likely one to go in all of this. Um, I think they can get a significant return for him, especially if he's the the defenseman that's most sought after. I know Ekholm's gotten a lot of attention in Nashville, but with Nashville starting to win and being in a playoff spot, they might not want to trade him now. So that leaves Savard possibly being the best option available. And if there's a few teams that want him, that might turn into a little bit of a bidding war, and there's even an outside chance that they could even fetch a first-round pick. If they get a first round pick out of it, that I think that's a no-brainer. I think that's a move you have to make, especially with a guy you're not gonna sign. As much as the leadership that he brings, as much as he is a personality in that locker room and just defines what it means to be the Blue Jackets. I mean, we we don't want to forget everything he's done for this franchise. He does the dirty work. He doesn't really appear on the score sheet a lot. When he does, it's in Tampa Bay, but yes. <laughs> um, but other than that, um, He's blocking shots. He's hitting. He's just doing the defensive work that you need to have. And he's going to help somebody. If he he does get traded, he's going to help a playoff contender. And Tampa Bay's out there. Colorado, think of some of the contenders. The Leafs, you know, those are teams that could certainly use a player like David Savard, who, you know, we'll see where it ends up going. Felina's a tricky one, though. To, you know, Felino hurts
1: my heart. This is the one that Jeremy and I talk about a lot. And it's because I'm the emotional one and the one that gets attached to players. Yep. And Nick Felino is one of the reasons. I mean, I'm Cam Atkinson is my number one. I am a huge Cam Atkinson fan. Um mm-hmm. but Nick Felino and what he represents for the city of Columbus and everything he's done for the organization um you know it would just hurt my heart so much but i also know that that's part of the part of the game part of the league um but i do think that would be a pretty a pretty hard
2: pill to swallow it's the business right um here's the thing about flam and the blue jackets know full well the value of him to the city to the fans, to everything that he's done, he's represented his family. You can go on and on and on and go for hours talking about the positive impact he's had. He deserves to be treated the right way when it comes to a tough decision like this. There are teams, so let's let's try to set this situation for everybody. There are teams out there that would love to have Nick Foligno. You're talking about potentially a bottom six forward who can play center, who can play really tough minutes, who can be on the power play on the penalty kill, who can bring an element of leadership to their team. He has a decision to make. Does he want to go after a cup somewhere and then possibly come back here in the offseason Because he's all rooted here. He would love to be nothing more to tend to stay here. Or does he want a chance at a cup? Only he really knows the answer to that. At this point, you know, I don't know that. I don't think very many people know it outside of maybe in his inner circle. And I think Yarma's going to have that conversation, but he's going to do it in a respectful way because of everything that he's done. In fact, there was a story, I think it was, I can't remember who said it, but someone admitted and talking to another executive with another team that said, I haven't even asked about Foligno yet because I know that that's an emotional situation and we're going to let the Blue Jackets approach us depending on how that works out. If that doesn't say any, anything about the respect level of Nick Felino. that's it right there yeah I
0: when I read that I just I blown away like by that quote because I mean it feels mm-hmm. like like we talk about how much of a business it is and how yep. much of a dog eat dog kind of world it is for me to read that and I was like dang like, if that's if that's what I'm reading like and that's the sentiment this
2: is going to be tough for for that party to decide He's going to be remembered as one of the greatest Blue Jackets of all time for that reason. Did the, everything that he's done to embrace the city of Columbus since that trade from Ottawa. Um, so yeah, it, it'll come out eventually here. I mean, he's going to be approached. We'll see what he, where he stands with all this. I ultimately think that we won't see his last game with the Columbus Blue Jackets because either a, he's not going to be traded. He wants to stick it out here or B he gets traded but comes back in the off season. I think one of those two things happen ultimately. Um, Felino, it's, but there is one caveat to that. I think it's going to come down to the contract. Can they agree to something that's going to work for both sides? You know, because there's still, you, you want to treat him with respect and that includes the next contract. So where this goes, I mean, we're all going to be watching it, but I can't see this being the last hurrah for Nick Foligno in Columbus yet. I just can't see it. I have I, I have to see it for myself before I could believe it.
0: Could you imagine that, gay, like if he does get traded here at the deadline, could you imagine the opening night next year if he comes back, if he resigns and comes back? <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. It's just me that.
1: crying in the stands.
2: Mm-hmm. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's... Every everyone's going to have their Nick Foligno stories, I'm sure, just because, and every time I talk to him too, he is just one of the most respectful people that there is in the game of hockey. Just one of the good guys, hard in the right place, got family on his mind. He's got, he just does everything so well. He just embodies everything and has done a really good job of putting Columbus in a place of respect. And I think that that's, what's always going to be remembered about 71, no matter what happens moving forward.
0: I feel like I'm already eulogizing him like by, by saying this, but like, it's like, I, I remember like that just being such a distinct point in blue jacket's history. Like the idea of like, when we hosted the all-star game, um, mm-hmm. you know, in 2015, I'm, I think right. 2015 sounds right. And the questions leading up, like we were captainless at the time, what Nick does for the city and what he does like that season gets named the captain and the, like there's something so magical about that time Mm -hmm. in being a blue jackets fan that just like, to me, like pinpoints, like the next chapter, that was like the start of an era. And so like, just thinking about that, it's like, wow.
2: Yeah. No, it's, uh, that's just it too. I mean, on a national stage for everybody to see as well, remember when Ryan Johansson, him put on the Ohio State jerseys in that all-star game and just Columbus, listen, um, a lot of people out in the hockey world who haven't been to Columbus don't know a lot about it, but if they've been there, it's been nothing but positive things. And remember when Matt Duchesne came in for the short amount of time, he was surprised at what Columbus had to offer. And so you have to actually be here to believe it. I know Cam Atkinson says this all the time. Don't diss it unless you've been there. And yeah, um, the, the next challenge now though is to prove that they can keep players. You know, a lot of players have come, a lot of players have gone, they've chosen different paths. You're gonna get some tests coming up here. Seth Jones, you know, among others, they have to prove that they can keep really good players in this city. And the way that you do that is by consistently winning look at Colorado remember where they were at a few years ago all the way in the basement of the National Hockey League and all the rumors around Duchesne uh, before he got traded they're not one of the best teams in the National Hockey League so there's a path to getting to a place where you're a consistent contender Colorado went from last to first Columbus can do it too but if only if they make the right decisions along the way yeah, I
0: think that I think Bjork's brand affirming his commitment to the team and signing that long term deal here, like that was huge. Like that yep. to me, I had that. I don't know if you do this, but I do this like every like year before the off season. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, so this person's contract's expiring. If I don't hear something about contract negotiations within the next three months, I'm just going to make the assumption that this player is like that there's something not good happening there. And I have something to worry about.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: him signing, I was like, oh, thank God. Like, I'm like, if, if Seth Jones doesn't sign by like re-sign by like October of next year, I'm going to start to sweat, I think. <laughs>
2: like- and so are the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mean, They don't want to go down that road going into a season where he could potentially walk. And listen, you know, here's my theory about Jones. Um, This is just me talking. This is nothing inside or nothing like that. My own thoughts. If he stays, I think he's the next captain. And I think that that's the approach that the blue Jackets should take. They can offer him eight years. They can open the checkbook for him. They need to open the checkbook for him. I think his contract is a minimum of $10 million a year. But just think of what this guy can do. I mean, the the Ryan Johansson trade is one of the best trades the Blue Jackets have made under the, in the Kekalainen era. You get that right shot anchor defenseman who can just do everything. Everything I've heard, he likes it in Columbus. But again, you don't know until you get to a negotiation how he ultimately feels if he wants to explore things like that. We won't know until we get there, but... I know that the blue jackets are going to do everything that they can to keep them. I think that the, the allure of possibly being the captain is something that they need to prioritize with him, like do whatever it takes because that perception of players leaving isn't going to go away. And it's only going to get worse. If you're unable to keep him too. So we'll see where it goes. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed <laughs> for guys. Yep. So in like talking
0: about obviously like people moving like either Mm -hmm. by like their own free will and volition or by a decision by management, obviously like to your point about Tarasov and being somebody who you foresee as being, you and many other people foresee as being a future, like having a really significant future here in Columbus. Mm -hmm. Obviously like whatever decision gets made in terms of goaltending might not be a long-term decision. It might be the short-term decision, but do you see, especially as we look at some teams who could really benefit from having some um, you know, stronger goaltending as they look to possibly make a Stanley Cup run, do you foresee either one of those players between Corpus Allo and Merzlikens? Do you, do you see either one of them being moved to the deadline or do you think that that's going to end up being an offseason move?
2: If you're asking me, I think that's off-season, but you can't rule out deadline because there's teams out there that has some goaltending questions. Do the Colorado Avalanche want somebody behind Philippe Grubauer? Because, well, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, the Leafs have Jack Campbell going, but do they feel like they need another goaltender? But there's some teams out there that, you know, could use a little bit of a boost, but I don't foresee them going after a guy like Corpus Allo or Merzlikens, because I think they can be viewed as a potential one or a 1B in a particular situation. That feels like an off-season trade to me, just given the circumstance, but deadlines certainly you can't rule it out. If someone wants to step up and, and, and make the right offer, it could happen there. But here's a key point that we need to keep in mind about the goaltending situation with Merzlikens especially. He's exempt from Seattle. And that is a big deal when it comes to roster management or if you decide to move Merzlikens, the kind of return that you could get in a potential package form. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know what the Columbus Blue Jackets are thinking when it comes to Corposal versus Merzlikens. I know they like both of them, but they understand that they're not going to be able to keep both of them because if they're both number ones, they're both going to run out, their contracts run out both after next season. So you've got, they have to make a choice at some point because you know Terasov's going to be here in a few years down the line. Um, however, they decided, I'm not sure. I mean, Corpusalo was the one waiting behind Bob trained under him and waited his turn to get his opportunity was an all-star. Can't forget about that. Um, but Merzlikan seems to have a little bit of the higher upside as a little bit of a swagger to him that I think Columbus would absolutely love to have. Like if you want to, Build You want to build something, build somebody that embraces your city, your hockey team, and can bring a little bit of swagger. I mean, so if you're going to ask me which goalie I would keep if I was the general manager, I would lean to Merzlikan just because the high upside and he's exempt from Seattle and see what you can get for Corpus Allo. But that's not my decision to make. That's Keck and Lyon's decision to make. And I think that these games that, you know, the low-key thing that we need to keep in mind as we move along, as, you know, Corpus, Solomers, Leakins are kind of going back and forth with starts here, which goalie plays better? Which goalie handles the situation? They could be being evaluated right now as we speak. And that could go a long way to determining which direction they go. So if you want to watch something in particular in games, see how they handled the different situations. And I think the decisions ultimately going to come down to Do they want the big, the bigger personality, or do they want the somebody that they've had for a few years in Corpus All that they know and they know can play well? It's a tough decision, so we'll see what they do.
1: Yeah, and we've definitely had that conversation too. um, You know, with Elvis being a personality, and with sort of the um, burst of like enthusiasm that people got last year prior to COVID shutting everything down when he went on that stretch and got his first win and kept getting the shutouts, you know, people were dressing up like Elvis at the arena. They were holding up, you know, signs and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a a tried and true Columbus Blue Dries fan, but it's because I live here, but to go the franchise and to really put some momentum behind the team, I think it's important that we do think about those aspects of players too, of what they can bring from a personality, from a, you know, you hate to say it, but a social media standpoint, like one of the reasons why I was so excited to have Max Domi Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in the Blue Jackets was because he has such a presence, because he has a cause that he fights for. um, And, you know, he is a legacy player. His dad is, you know, one of arguably one of the most famous NHLers um, out there because he fought so much. Um, Mm -hmm. Columbus needs that um, in order to keep Proving that we are a hockey town and we are a team that is just as worthy as any other team. So yeah,
2: yeah, no, that's it's, 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 it's towards a, Lincoln's. Yeah, it's an interesting point because that's right. That the the challenge that the Blue Jackets face is exactly that is, you know, what is the shadow in Columbus? It's Ohio State, right? You now the the football team or you know everything you talk about Columbus. It sometimes feels like the Blue Jackets do play second fiddle. And the losing certainly doesn't help matters when it comes to, they have a place in Columbus. I mean, to anybody that thinks that Columbus is not a hockey town is completely foolish. Come here, watch Nationwide Arena when it's all packed and loud and and Leo's doing the anthem and the cannon's going off. Watch that Tampa Bay series again, especially the two home games when they sh- um, made it four games to none. That should tell you everything you know about what potential is here. You got that arena district around, you've got passionate hockey fans that absolutely love their team that have been through 20 years of hell for, for the most part, those that have been there from the beginning. So they're invested, they want a winner. They expect a winner. I mean, they've the Blue Jackets have made the playoffs for four consecutive years. So we're we're beyond the point now of just making the playoffs is good enough. We're to the point where they should be thinking about second round minimum or later getting to the Cup final. So that's why this season in particular is is disappointing because the expectations are higher. We you know the the team is different. I get all that, but. I, they keep going at this pace. They're not going to make the playoffs. So it's kind of like, okay, they need to do something to kind of get back on the right track here. How they do it is the thing that we got to watch for, but yeah, personality wise, they need players like a Merzlikens, like a Domi when he's going, you got to be able to create energy and you've got to be able to just identify with that. And now that, that's why I would pick Merzlikens in this situation, but their play is going to determine it. And I think the market will determine it as well. Um, we'll see where it goes.
0: Without a doubt. And again, with Tarasov, like you said, just waiting in the wings, it's one of those, yep. maybe they, maybe they do go with the person who can get them the biggest return right now. And, and they just put, put their money on. Cause I mean, again, like you're not like, it's not like you're picking between, you know, a goalie who's an elite franchise goaltender and a mm. backup. Like you're picking between, like you said, one, a one B. So it's like, If that's what they choose to do and they let the market decide, I don't think I'll be too upset. I think
2: we'll just have to see. I think most teams think Merzlikens has the higher upside. So I think they're going to get more calls on him. It's just, will the Blue Jackets get an acceptable offer? I think this is where things are going to get interesting because think about what the Blue Jackets would want back in a goalie deal. You'd have to think there would be a center of some kind that's going to come in, come step right in and help them immediately. In my personal opinion, I think they have a better chance at doing that by trading merz But again, I think merz has the higher upside too. So will the Blue Jackets be better off keeping the higher upside goalie or giving it up if they get the right package? So it's like, okay, in both worlds, in a Corpus solo world, and a return for Merzlikens versus keeping Merzlikens. They have to decide which one's going to be better for them. I'm just not sure what center you could possibly get. Again, I know Buffalo will be interesting to watch with the Jack Eichel situation, and there might be some centers that become available, but that's going to be the number one priority, whether they draft and develop one, whether they bring one in. They need a center, and if they're going to deal Merzlikens, they better darn well get somebody that's going to be very good to be able to help this team.
0: Oh, no doubt. And kind of to that point, I mean, I know we've talked about the team pretty much being, you know, presumably in – I mean, obviously, like, if you can make the playoffs, great, do what you Mm -hmm. can to do that. But presumably in the seller category, with that being the case, do you foresee the team trying to recuperate anything aside from just – picks and prospects in their deals that they go about making here in the next couple of weeks. Do you see the team possibly, especially with like the weird cap situations that exist right now, eating a players. I mean, I know they're not exactly in the world's best cap situation, either the jackets, but um, do you see them maybe taking on an actual NHLer uh, as a result of a trade in order to either up a prospect up a pick um, and I know that sounds weird to say
2: when we're talking about a seller, but is that something you could foresee? I can foresee it. I mean, anything that makes them better. That's the thing. That's the line that Ke- Keckalina always goes back to. So they'll consider and listen to anything, whether it be picks, whether it be prospects, you know, you name it, whether it be bringing on an NHL player, they're not just going to bring in an NHL player just to do it. They're, they're going to have an impact, not only short, but long-term. If, if, if that's what's going to happen. Um, but he's got a lot. He's going to be very busy. That's the bottom line here. we know starting at the deadline. We know that there's going to be some players that are going to be leaving, probably going to get some futures for it, but that's a good thing. They need I mean, What the one draft they didn't pick until the fourth round and the other one, they made a trade to go into the second round as their first pick. So, they would love nothing more than to be able to get to that draft table and actually have a full bevy of draft picks to be able to pick from, to be able to build this team back up. But yeah, and especially we're just talking about centers, will they want to bring an NHL player in? Sure, if they feel like that's going to help them for a couple of years and and longer than that, they'll consider anything. It just has to be the right deal. Um, And you have to give Kekalinen credit. He's not afraid to make the big move but he's also not reckless either. Like he's not going out there just to make a trade to make a trade. Like he's going to do it if he feels like that it's going to help him. Now, not to say that every trade's worked out in his favor, but he's just not pulling the trigger just to do it. You know, he, there's a plan that he has. So yeah, it's not out of the question to answer your question.
1: could find my unmute button there for a second. Um, yeah, it's just, we, we talk all the time about the the whirlwind of things that's going to occur yep. for this team, um, both in this upcoming week and whenever our, our season decides to end. Um, so back, back kind of to a point that we talked about in the, earlier in the conversation is in your personal opinion or in what you see, um, in discussions do you think that John Tortorella re-signs or gets another contract from this organization or are we looking at welcoming in a brand new head coach or even potentially much more coaching staff changes
2: if you're asking my personal opinion Laura I don't think Torts is back after this season I, I I just don't see it um I, 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 he's vastly underpaid one. So the big first question would be, would the blue jackets offer enough money? That'd be commiserate to the kind of pay that he should be able to get as someone who's won a Stanley cup, who's been to multiple, multiple playoffs throughout his career. Who's won a couple of Jack Adams awards. Um, He makes a little over $2 million where some coaches make four or five. I'm just not sure that they, he might be able to get a better deal elsewhere. But um, I just get the sense too, just watching this team that I feel like, you know, you always hear the whole shelf life of a coach, right? When someone comes in, the Blue Jackets needed someone like Torts when Todd Richards was let go back when they needed accountability. They needed the locker room culture rebuilt. Torts was the perfect hire for that. And look at that now. Look at the leadership in the room. Players, certain players absolutely love him, but you take a look, this is a much different kind of team now, and the coaching style that he has can be quite a bit abrasive, as we can see. You just wonder if his cycle has run out here. That's the question that I've been pondering about torts, and I think that And and I know Kekalainen loves them too, so it'll be really interesting to see how a negotiation goes and stuff like that. But I try to look at it here. It would be an upset, in my opinion, if Torts is back. Um, I, I think they need a different voice. I think they need somebody who can come in, give some fresh ideas to the team, the concepts, the players that are out there. It's just, there's too much talent on this team for them to be this bad at the end of the day. And that comes down to the approach and that comes down to the coaching staff. And I think, you know, Brad Shaw's on that bench, great defensive coach. He might get a shot as an NHL head coach. I think he deserves it. Now, a lot of people have gone after Brad Larson over the years for the lack of power play success. So there could be some changes for sure, especially if they go in a different direction with um, the head coach. Can't rule out that possibility. Um, So could Torts be back? Absolutely. But if you're asking me if I think he will be back, I say no at this time. So do you think that he takes a little bit of a hiatus from the NHL? This is not a
0: Blue Jackets-related question, really, but or do you think that he ends up at a place like Buffalo?
2: Well, he's, he, was, he was an assistant there before, so I could see why he could consider something like that. I don't know if Kevin Adams goes in that direction, their general manager, but okay, you can't rule it out. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not going to speak for torts. He knows what he wants to do. He loves coaching. I mean, he came into Columbus knowing this might be one of his last chances to be an NHL head coach, given everything that's happened to him. Um, does he still have that burning desire? Yeah. Um, he's kind of getting up there in age a little bit. I don't know. I know that's that's why we're having this discussion, right? Especially with an expiring contract, you know, that's going to be one of the biggest storylines in Columbus will be what happens to him. Uh, I can tell you there will be a lot of people who will be very happy if he moved on. You see the way that the fans are acting right now. He takes a lot of heat. About some of his coaching decisions, his style, you know, he's, the way he sometimes benches players or scratches them, or you know, whatever the case might be, um. Yeah, so end of the day, can't speak for him, but it, it, I could see, I could see him still wanting to coach somewhere, even if it's not here. I mean, he, you know, that's there be there be teams I think would be interested because he 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 definitely brings a certain level. Of accountability and he definitely brings some value it's just you know is it what is that what a team needs at a particular moment there's always a chance
0: imagine if for any reason he does end up in buffalo and jack Eichel doesn't get moved all of the twitter all of the twitter <laughs> it would be so ugly like nobody would nobody would have any sort of a really intellectual take on that Sanders one twitter
2: think. is already an interesting enough place as it is if you were to add that I don't even want to try to imagine it. I'm not going to try to go there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I've never, I've never visited Sabres Twitter. Maybe, maybe that's my sign to not. Well, I
2: I live 90 minutes away from there and I grew up watching that team. So I can go all the way back to the LaFontaine days there. Um, That's as passionate a fan base as you're going to get, but Lord, they haven't made the playoffs in 10 years And, and this day and age of salary cap and everything else. And they got the number two pick in the McDavid draft and they got Eichel and they thought everything's going to be good. And look at them now. They lost 18 in a row this year. Just imagine what could possibly happen. But they could, you know, if we're talking about the Sabres, let's be real for a minute. In that room, in that culture, that, that culture is broken and Tortorella could fix it. How Eichel respond to it would be a totally different storyline and everybody would be watching it from the word go but the Sabres need a culture fix. They need a coach that can do something like that, that can bring the accountability in. You know, so we'll see which direction they go. Don't know if Torts would want to go up there, but if he doesn't end up back in Columbus, I do think he'll still want to coach somewhere. We'll see.
0: Well, just in kind of wrapping up, I mean, what this yeah. has been, I don't even know how long we've been talking because it's been like so fun to just chat with you about (laughs) all of this um kind of like wanted to end with like a rapid fire unless laura did you have another anything else No, i was
1: i was just gonna say like to move on to the the rapid fire because we we do have some fun rapid fire questions so Uh,
0: let's do this i think i'm gonna add a little bit of a twist i like definitely like filled you in a little bit beforehand but i'm gonna add like a little twist that came to my mind because because we've talked so kind of like are these players going to be here Mm -hmm. on april 13th but We've had kind of like that discussion about like David Savard, Nick Foligno, that kind of deal. So I'm going to ask the question, but then I'm going to ask you where are they if they're not in Columbus?
2: Okay, let's do it. Let's have All some right. fun with this. All
0: right, sounds good. So we'll start there with David Savard. Where do you see what jersey is David Savard putting on on April 13th?
2: Tampa Bay Lightning.
0: Okay, I love that. I, that could be, listen, I mean, perfect fit, right? I mean, like and the only way to make sure he doesn't mm-hmm. score
2: against them, is to join them, right? (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's too good. Yeah. And he'd be probably in their third pair down there, but talk about God, Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, Eric Chernak, go on and on about this the the Lightning defense. I mean, Kucherov's going to come back. I mean, boy, out of the East, I just can't think of a team that's in a better position for them to try to go after another cup. And if he can put a guy like Savard on there and you got that talent Man, I could, I could see that. And if there's a couple other teams that I could see, I could see Colorado trying to get involved in that. I could see Toronto, but if you're asking me which team, I think it's the lightning.
1: Let's see. And then, so next on our list, if, if Nick were to go, um, where would you see Nick on April 13th? Good Lord. Um, Toronto that that's my that was my guess too it was that the the Leafs would would snatch him up
2: so now I mean he's got the Sudbury connection going on to Ontario um chance to be able to win the cup experience I mean look what happened last year in, in the bubble when the Leafs played the Blue Jackets so the Leafs know exactly what Nick Foligno is about um I know they're looking for a forward um I'm not sure if they um, visit the Felina situation, if that gets to that point, but yeah, you want to talk about someone that can add defense and special teams and can add some offense and leadership. Yeah, that would, he would, he would fit well with the Leafs in that regard. I would say, I would say them. Yeah. And that feels exactly
0: like the conversations that a lot of the NHL media was having about the additions that the lightning made at last year's deadline, talking about their third line. I mean, I'm starting to think that a third line is more important than a first line with the way we talk about them, which I'm not like knocking. Like I agree, like there's a lot of truth to that, like the importance of a third line. And I think he would just, I mean, add to that incredibly talented pool of forwards in a way that might not necessarily exist there right now. So if, if I was a betting man, which unfortunately I am, um, I would yeah that's where I'd put my money and that's where you put my yep yeah right um and thinking through I know we've talked about whether he's hurt right so like don't know yeah. what yeah. his status is yeah. going to be but there are some teams out there that are thinking about adding at center to try to add some center depth is yeah. there anybody that stands out to you as a possible destination for him
2: there's a couple um I could see a reunion with Boston and for something like that he, he had success up there He's a 40 point player with the Boston Bruins. Um, they're always out sniffing. And I think that you can get him at a reasonable price too. So if you're in the market for a cheap bottom six center who can win faceoffs, who can do a lot of different things, Nash is your guy. I think the Bruins could do it. I could see Florida jumping in on something like that. Um, let's say that. Think of the contenders that are out there. Um and he could always throw the Leafs in that conversation, even though I don't think they would do this one. But um, heck, even a team like the Capitals could add to their bottom six. You know, you, you, I think he'll be low-key sought after, if he's healthy. Um, don't know what his status is at this point. Maybe we'll know more tomorrow. We'll see if he even plays, you know, or what the team says. But... Yeah, there's a few teams out there that I could see that even the Islanders could use a little bit of depth to be another one. Um, Call Vegas has to go bargain shopping because of their cap issues. Um, So yeah, he'll have some suitors, but I think Boston would be interesting just because of the reunion factor and the familiarity.
1: Yeah, we talked a little bit about Riley being in Boston and how his, his personal attitude doesn't, at least from what I know about the Bruins, is like him as a person doesn't really fit into like the Boston narrative because like, he seems just like such a, such a nice guy. And some of those Boston players don't have that nice guy um, reputation, but that would be interesting to see if he reunited with them but one that I would be bummed about because I do really like him and I think he's been a good addition. Um, but Michael Delzato, if he, mm-hmm.
2: Michael Delzato, he went from a PTO to a contract with Columbus and had a, he was their best defenseman at the beginning of the season. So this is some, um, but found himself on the bench a couple games recently. Um, play fell off a little bit, but yeah. I mean, if you're looking for, again, I think the same list of teams, if you're looking for a puck moving defenseman who can add a little bit to the bottom four pairings, I think contenders will look, because the price is going to be pretty affordable here. Um, you're talking about very low risk. So same teams are going to be in play. Your Colorado's of the world, your Vegas of the world, your Tampa Bay's of the world. If they don't get in on Savard, let's say, um, even a team like Boston could use a little bit of help on on defense as well, um, but if I had to pick a team for him, that's a tough one. But um, hmm. yeah, it'd be one of the teams that I've mentioned. There's, so I guess, I guess I'll just. Uh, Going to say Colorado, but probably not them. Just kind of thinking through here. Um, maybe Florida. Maybe low key. Florida has you know there's familiarity. Bill Zito's down there. They did lose um, Aaron Eckblad to that injury, so I'll say Florida because they could certainly use depth. That's not going to cost them a lot of money. And I I think that fits the criteria for them. Yeah, I don't I don't see any other
0: defensemen. Well, I mean, there are plenty, I think there are going to be a lot of defensemen like that, like the Michael Delzato type that might make it to market, but I don't see Florida being in on for that. Well, they've got the cap space, but like, I just don't foresee them being in on somebody who's going to be big dollar and could even have term to them. Like, I don't, I don't see that necessarily. So I I agree. I think Florida would be an interesting destination.
1: And what's one more blue jacket on the Florida team. So, I mean, blue
2: jacket South, there you go.
1: (laughs) Then, Jeremy, did
0: you have the next question? Yeah, well, actually, I think that that pretty much wraps up about everything that we had. Um, I guess, like, just as we go into, yeah. into this week, right, mm-hmm. what is your word of wisdom to Blue Jackets fans as they buckle up, as mm-hmm. they prepare for the inevitable, which is some hard decisions, um, some departures? What is your word of wisdom?
2: Jeremy and Laura, my words of wisdom are prepare yourselves emotionally, because whether it be David Savard, whether it be Nick Felino, or you know whatever, you're talking about two of the biggest mainstays, and the fact that they're both in this discussion, whether it leads to a trade or not, you could be looking at the potential end, at least, either temporarily or full-time, of the tenures of two of the greatest Blue Jackets of all time. So whatever you have to do to emotionally prepare yourself for what could happen, do it. If you have to eat certain foods, if you have to sleep more, if you have to do stress relief, just know that these are real conversations that are taking place and that we could be looking at the end. So prepare yourselves accordingly and also understand the reality of the situation with the Blue Jackets. From a, just from an overall way the team looks standpoint from a business standpoint um they have to face the hard reality that they might not make the playoffs this year and it's going to be disappointing to them and to a lot of people um but um just understand that um there's going to be some tough decisions coming and a lot of pressure on them, to, especially on lion to make the right decisions because I think there's a perception out there that the Blue Jackets are very far away just simply because of the, the center depth compared to everybody else. Um, so I'd also prepare yourselves for what could be coming because I think there could be some very sweeping changes coming to this team, especially in the offseason. You're talking about one of your number one goalies being moved, You're talking about having to fill a huge hole in the middle with Dubois being gone. You've got the whole Seth Jones thing. So there's going to be a lot of different, I guess, tests that the Blue Jackets are going to have to encounter. And I think fans are going to have to be emotionally prepared for what could happen. You know, what if Seth Jones decides that he doesn't want to be here anymore? You know, prepare yourselves emotionally and good luck.
1: Well, and that those words lead perfectly into our, like our fun question, um, because part of why we started doing this podcast was we wanted an opportunity to relive the moments that we were going to miss not being able to be at the arena um, Mm -hmm. and have these conversations with each other. So we love um, whenever we do polls on our social media, we always include an option about snacks. Because nice. so there's there's diehard fans, there's in the middle fans, and then there's the fans that are just there for, like, the accoutrement. So our fun question is, what is your favorite snack when you are in Nationwide Arena?
2: My favorite snack when I am in Nationwide Arena. So there's a caveat to that, because up on Press Row, in a normal world, there really isn't much in the way they have the pot they have popcorn and they have trail mix or you know whatever so i don't really get to go down to the concessions to be able to get the snacks that certain fans would be able to get but if i was acting in the position of a fan um see i'm a pizza lover at heart so i know i've been to different arenas that have always checked out some of the pizza selections um the united center has um oh what's the what's the pizza that you can get? Um, DiGiorno. They actually, they sell DiGiorno at the United Center because it's one of their big sponsors. So that's one of the things that that, that I thought that that was kind of weird, but um, (laughs) I know they've had Papa John's in the past. I know they switch now. I think Jets is the new sponsor for them. Um, Tried them. They're Detroit style pizza. They're pretty good, but you know, I'm pretty simple when it comes to snacks. So give me a hot dog give me some popcorn you know um and who who could turn down a good beer too right
1: exactly yeah That's
2: i'm in this position fan, all the so. way
1: and, yep. and Germ- Jeremy likes to uh, uh hit up skyline when we're there as well
2: yeah skyline's good right
0: exceptionally hard to eat in an arena
2: but like pretty good
0: yeah. <laughs> nonetheless
2: nonetheless exactly do what you can
0: right well sure. mark I I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to be here with Laura and I tonight to chat about our beloved Columbus blue jackets for the wonderful insight. And I'm sure our listeners are going to be really grateful for your insight as well. So
2: Jeremy and Laura, we really appreciate, appreciate the invite. This was a lot of fun. Um, See where everything goes and you'll see how different this team looks at this time next week.
0: Sounds like a plan. Well, we will be sure to keep you in mind to, to, kind of unravel this season as we discuss further things and, and moving forward. So we appreciate you.
2: Yeah. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate the time. Yep. Thank you, Mark. Mark. Thanks guys. Mm